Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who only uses Pinterest to collect pictures of Elon Musk dancing, but in my spare time, I'm just a reporter, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know around tech and beyond. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, we're going to play a live interview I conducted this week with Ben Silberman, the CEO of Pinterest. We spoke at the National Retail Federation's annual conference, The Big Show, in New York City, and we talked about how Pinterest is faring as a smaller but powerful player in social media. Media and how it's deliberately trying to make users feel better. So let's go now to the NRF Big Show in New York City to hear my conversation with Pinterest CEO Ben Silberman. Ben, question. I bet you know a lot more about tech than Paul Ryan, right? I, I don't know, Kara. I haven't met Paul. Yeah, he's good. Good. Don't say anything. Just ignore my... I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood, people. Um, I just finished a really angry call about Bill Barr trying to get Apple to open the iPhone, and I just can't stop myself. All right, let's get to Pinterest. I want to talk about a wide range of things in the overall tech atmosphere right now around safety and, and the challenges being faced by tech platforms that do retail, um, and all tech platforms, really. And then I want to get into the features that you guys are, sort of, where you think the big trends are. So I want to sort of have a two-part to this. So let's start about that. How do you look at the landscape? Because one of the things, I'd pick two or three companies like yours. I would pick uh, Airbnb and several others that are concerned about, you know, doing the right thing on these platforms. So talk a little bit about where you think tech is in general, about protecting users, dealing with, uh, terrible things that come on the platform naturally because they're platforms and people load up all manner of nefarious things. So talk about the overall space and what tech needs to do right now. You know, Kara, I think, I think it's pretty complicated, but, but usually, at least the way I think about it, is it kind of starts with the mission of what the company's there for. And so different companies, they have different missions. Ours has always been about being the place people go for inspiration, for yeah. inspiration for everyday things, you know, what they wear, uh, where they travel. Mm-hmm. And from that mission, all of our other decisions come out of that. Um, I think that the best companies start from their mission, um, and then they think about how do all their decisions um, contribute to that mission, or they, or they go away from it. So I remember in 2010, um, when we started the company, I think back then it was just sort of a foregone conclusion that if you build technology platforms, good things will automatically happen. Mm-hmm. And I think the lesson that everyone's learned over the last a few years, is that if you want positive things to come out of internet technology, they have to be deliberately engineered that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at least at Pinterest, my belief is that if you care about the well-being 
of the people who use your service, uh, you have to care about the content and the things they do on that service. And so that's the approach that we've taken. Talk about deliberately engineered, because some of this stuff, I'm going to be kind when I say unintended consequences, because I think many of these companies, and including you all, should should have known that possibly this could happen, because you look at you look at humanity and that happens everywhere you go. But you have a unique problem in that you know, you own a store, people aren't going to suddenly load it up with child pornography or violent images or hate speech, hate products or whatever in a store. You just don't load up the shelves of a store. But in the case that you have, or even if it's Facebook, wherever things are sold or information is, people do that. They can do that without, and, and the way you architect and design it. So talk about the idea of sort of design ethics in terms of what has to happen. Well, I mean, I can give you a small example and I can give you a big example. So a small example is, you know, when we started Pinterest, we knew that it was a platform that in theory could be used for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we wanted it to be a place where people use it for inspiration. Right. And so when you're small, um, we curated the people that joined the service. Um, I used to send out an email which said, here are kind of the rules of etiquette on the service because our belief was that people will follow by example. Um, where it gets complicated, and it's been complicated for everyone, is when you get to scale. So now we're at 320 million people all over the world. And so we have to think about um, how do we scale that to all these different geographies and all these different situations. Mm-hmm. So one example recently we had to think through was a couple years ago, you know, we noticed that people were starting to use Pinterest to search for some medical information. Right? And that wasn't the intent of the platform. Like, we're not doctors. We saw people searching for things like vaccines. Mm-hmm. And we made the decision then that as a starting point, we would just not serve up content because we couldn't ensure that we were giving people great information. Mm-hmm. And then over the last six or eight months, um, we've started to put in information from really credible institutions, folks like the CDC, uh, the National Institutes of Health. Uh, and that's because we think that that content actually has an impact on people's lives. And so if you don't take some responsibility for what people see, you're at some level responsible for the downstream consequences right. of that. What you just said doesn't get said a lot. I'm just, it, we, you have to take some responsibility. How do you think, how do you decide that in terms of, because there is, the downstream effects are a society that's either polarized or it's, there's damaging information or people actually get hurt, um, which has happened. Yeah, I mean, I think that the way we think about it is, again, it starts with, you know, what is the platform designed for inspiration uh, what makes that good and what makes it bad, right? And that's different from claiming that you're the public square. It's different than you're saying we're the communication network for the world. Uh, and we think about what are things that are inspiring and then what are the things that are the enemies of that? So um, if you go to Pinterest and you're thinking, what do I want to look like in the future? Who do I want to be? And someone says, like, you look terrible or they bully you, that obviously goes against that mission. And so then we have to think, how do we scale that and make that global and acceptable everywhere? So... You know, last year, um, one thing that we were thinking through was we knew Pinterest is used a lot for inspiration, but some people also use it for very emotional outcomes. They say, yeah. I'm feeling sad. Um, and we, we wanted to figure out what's the right course of action there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a starting point, we started where some other companies go. This is through search you're finding this. Yeah, right? if you search I'm, for... people actually type in, I'm feeling I'm depressed, sad. Um, I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I mean, this right. is something that affects everyone, right? Um, And the question that you have to ask yourself is, like, what do you do in that situation? Mm -hmm. And there's one argument on one side that you just serve up anything. What we decided to do in the short term is we said, hey, we should make sure it's easy for people to access um, self-help resources, um, a 1-800 number. Mm -hmm. And then we started interviewing kind of clinical psychiatrists um, and institutions saying, what do you think would be good? And what they said is, 
hey, you know, we think it would be good to give people access to the help they need if it's acute, to normalize the feeling of being sad, but you never want to normalize the behavior of self-harm. It's a huge public health issue. Mm -hmm. And so we worked with them to design a product called Compassionate Search. Compassionate Search. Yeah, and the point of that product is it gives you access to kind of clinically approved exercises that um, medical professionals have designed. Um, And we're now scaling that out. So we're scaling that out internationally as of this week. And I'm not saying that that solves the whole problem, but I think it's a useful example to think through. How does that link to commerce, which is what you all do? You do a lot, you know, you have, say, inspiration, but a lot of your business is around commerce, like, Mm -hmm. or the idea of inspiration to either buy things or create things or make things or... Yeah, I mean, you know, when we think about why people come to Pinterest and why they shop, I don't know anyone who wakes up and they say just like, I want to buy products. My mother, but go ahead. Okay, your mother. Um... I guess in my experience, most people start with some idea of a problem they want to solve or what they want, life wants to be. And that question of how do you go from inspiration backwards right. um, into products that are from brands you trust, that are from uh, you know, retailers that are at your price point, that to me is the big opportunity online. If you know what you're looking for, like if you know the name of the product, you can buy it. You can buy it from multiple retailers. You can price compare. You can get it shipped to you in two days, sometimes same day. But most people, if you think about what they want to wear, if you think about what they want their home to look like, they don't have the words to describe that. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem that we want to solve. So you asked how these two issues connect. Right. One, people need to have an environment where they know they can go and feel inspired. Right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to get bullied. They're not going to encounter content that's offensive to their values. Um, they're not going to encounter content that's harmful, actually, to their well-being. Right. Then our job is to show people things that they find inspiring, and that's where machine learning and personalization come in, and that's what we've spent a lot of the last um, eight, ten years building. And then the step after that is they want to go buy it, and that means that we have to show them products for merchants that they can trust. And that issue of trust, I think now has become even a bigger deal than it was a few years ago. Because there's so many scams or, or, or whatever, or there's products that... Yeah, there's scams, there are products that they get to your door, they're nothing like what you look like, you can't return it properly. Right. So the approach that we're taking, um, we're, we're building a program, it's called the Verified Merchant Program. Mm-hmm. We're verifying all the merchants manually. Um, we're looking at, are the products quality? Uh, do they have a track record of shipping? Do they have return policies? And then we'll tell users, these are verified. Um, and I think that's good for those merchants because we'll then give those merchants a way to reach people that are there getting inspiration. This isn't just that they exist. It's not like on Twitter, which had to pull its verification program, the blue check, because it couldn't quite get it right. What's the process to do something like that? People sign up, and then we have a team that's then looking through these merchants. And we're willing to start small mm-hmm. um, and expand over time because we think that you know, you can always credit into trust. It's really dangerous to debit out of it. And so if your first purchase on Pinterest uh, doesn't show up or if it turns out to be a scam, um, whether or not we were the merchant of record, which we're not, um, that reflects poorly on our brand. Like mm-hmm. that undermines your trust in the platform. Right. Uh, and that's not something that we want. And so we're taking a start small, um, start with a trusted group and expand. Um, I think that the other approach that some folks have taken is to start super wide and try to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not where we're going. We think but that you're not banning happening. some of the merchants unless you see egregious violations, correct? Or is that you, you can't you can't only be on the platform if you're a verified merchant? 
You can't only be on the platform. Obviously, if you violate the terms, if we know that you're a scammer, we'll take you off. But we're only going to proactively push verified merchants um, into the shopping surfaces to I begin see. with. Okay. And there's a big difference there. And so we'll try to market. And over time, you know, we believe that when somebody using Pinterest sees that mark, they'll think that's verified that's something valuable, just like the way that you see Prime, and you're like, that can get to me in two days. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that you have to build over time. We're here with Pinterest CEO Ben Silberman. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back after this. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. So when you think about where you are in the conversation, you said, we didn't source it, we didn't do this. Is that part of your business plan going forward? Because ultimately, I mean, that's, that's what Amazon does. That's what a lot of people are doing. Now, Instagram isn't doing. And Instagram, you're quite a, sort of in a similar situation to Instagram in that it sells ads that then people buy. But when you see it on Instagram and it doesn't work, think about it with Instagram. My son bought a fluffy t-shirt the other day on, after seeing an Instagram. He goes, they finally got me because he, he likes Instagram ads. And it wasn't great. And he blamed Instagram. It was really, he goes, damn Instagram or something like that. And, it, and he said it's because it changed into Instagram by Facebook. That was the reason. He's just looking for a reason to, to complain about it. But he didn't blame the retailer, which was interesting. It's going to be, it's going to be a balance. Like, He's I also really spoiled, so whatever. <laughs> Too bad for him. Look, I think the way the world is going is that people are going to find inspiration in a lot of places. We want Pinterest to be the home of inspiration. And we're going to have to manage that handoff with a merchant. Like, we're not in the business of building warehouses. Uh, we're not in the business of manufacturing competing products. But we do have to say, this is a trustworthy merchant. And when you see that mark, we have to put our name behind it. Because when anyone interacts with a service, they just get a feeling. They get a feeling, can I trust this? Do I not trust this? Is this a place where I feel safe? Is it not? Is it inspiring? Or could I encounter things that are harmful? And I think you have to take that broader perspective because at least I know as a consumer, that's how I engage with online services. Mm -hmm. And that trust gets built over time. Well, talk a little bit about the idea of how people are engaging in a commerce. Uh, you know, because one of my sons, as I said, I'm not going to use this anecdotal, but it does work that way. I bought the fluffy t-shirt. The other is very interested in StockX, likes the gamification of sneakers as a sneaker head. Um, and I said, well, they're using this service? And he's like, no, of course not. Like, he had a relationship with this. How is it changing when, when people have online relationships with your brand or, or whatever? What, what do you see shifting? Look, I think what's really different is that it starts with this idea of how do I want to visualize my future? And it starts from this place of, I want to get inspired. Mm -hmm. That's actually an old idea. Right? If you yeah. walk into a department store, if you flip through a really well-curated fashion magazine, mm -hmm. it always started with an image of what could be rather than a white screen with a bunch of products on it. Right. I think what's changing now... It's called merchandising. Yeah, and I think what's changing now is the ability to stitch that together mm -hmm. um, in a really, really big way. So, look, on Pinterest, people use the product for tons of different things. They'll, they'll use it to redecorate their whole home, to plan their wedding. They'll use it for a passion, like designing a skateboard or collecting their favorite sneakers. And they've been telling us that they want to be able to back from there into the products. And there aren't a lot of easy ways to do it. And I think everyone's been in that moment. You're trying to buy 
a gift for someone that you care about, it's still really hard, right? We have so many choices, but to actually go from inspiration all the way backwards to the product, that is a huge white space. And I think that's the next big frontier for shopping. Meaning it's a huge white space. And how, how does, I don't quite get that, what, that it's a huge white space and backing into a product? Yeah, like I think we've all seen a look that we like, uh-huh. but where do I get that particular chair? that particular table, and where do I get it from a merchant that I trust at a price that I can afford? Mm -hmm. That's what our users have been telling us they've wanted for a long time, and Mm -hmm. our goal is to bridge that gap for them. What does that do to the concept of brands? Because, you know, you're looking at sort of all this DTC stuff, I'm thinking of Glossier, like they they only sell that of what they they are, or Warby Parker, or any of these, uh, 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 Brooklyn, and and, uh, there's all kinds of things Mm -hmm. like that. How does that change the equation? Because what does it do to regular store brands then? Because you don't rely on a store at all. You're relying on a series of brands that you have an affinity to, whether it's Patagonia or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're kind of seeing the internetization of brands, right? Um, The internetization? Yeah, well, I mean, you used to have, like, if you controlled, like, the biggest stores, by definition, you controlled the brands because you controlled the means of distribution. So when I say it's becoming more like the internet, it means that now a very small company can tell a story, um, they can source the merchandise, they can manufacture it, and they can ship it. And what you're seeing is a lot of the brands that are able to connect with people at the moment of inspiration are able to grow faster than I think a lot of people thought was possible before. And that's, that's a really big deal. That's, that's going to change a lot of things. And you saw the same thing happen in news. You see the same thing happening in media. And I think platforms like Pinterest can play a really big story in that. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we have a lot of users that will use Pinterest for style inspiration. And there's a company in Chicago, it's a menswear company, it has a female CEO, so the opposite of what you were joking on before, it's called the Tie Bar. They saw that, they can now upload their catalog into Pinterest, and they can find people that are just looking for style inspiration, but they haven't decided which brand is the one that's right for me. They may not even know the name of menswear brands. And so to reach them at that moment um, means that they can build a new loyal customer over time. And, you know, they've been on Pinterest for a while. They see great returns on their ads. And I think that story, you just see it repeating again and again. People think something like a Warby Parker, which was kind of a pioneer there as a Mm one-off. I think you're just going to see that story repeated. And that's why, as a brand, being a really good storyteller and showing up in the places that people are engaging with their passions is becoming a priority. And increasingly, that's online. So how do you do that if you're a store? Because you're talking about products leading the way, actual products, no matter, it's a brand, but it's a, pro, it's a thing. It's an actual thing. People want that thing from those people. How do stores participate in that then? You know, we work with a lot of stores that honestly are doing an amazing job with this. Um, you know, we work with folks like Home Depot, like Target, and what they've become really great at is they play at the inspiration level. So they've been good at doing what they've done for years, which is merchandising. They customize their creatives for Pinterest. They tell a really good story of inspiration. But then on the back end, they're also uploading their product catalogs. So when somebody's ready to say, hey, I want to pull the trigger on that. I actually want to get that look or I want to complement what I have. Their products are right there from the center. Yeah. So how do you look at then, you're talking about this idea of merchandising, this, of, of getting inspiration. These are all about, you know, merchandising, inspiration, these things. How does that stack up in, again online against a company like Amazon? Do you consider them merchandising? Because they don't really do merchandise. They just have it. That's really their whole problem. We have it. We'll get it too quickly. You know, in fact, it's in your backyard right now. You know, not getting stolen because we have the key to your house. That's their whole thing. Um, 
not kidding. <laughs> they, they sent that thing where they're like, can we have the key to your house? I was like, no. Like, it was really an interest, but it was a great ask from, on their part. Um, what's the difference? What's the way, what's the way it's going to spin? Is that the sort of way it goes, or is it this idea of pulling in inspiration as you're leading the tip of the spear? I don't think it's going to be one-size-fits-all. Right. You know, I think that there are some people in the offline world that would go from boutique to boutique, and there's some people that love the convenience of having a one-stop shop. And I think that that means that if you're not Amazon, um, you have to be really smart about being where consumers are right. and being and reaching them before they've already made up their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, you know, when we talk to CMOs, what we'll often hear from them is, you know, they're, they're tired of bidding on their own keyword um, or spending money only on retargeting because by the time you're doing that, you've already generated the demand, mm-hmm. right? You're just accelerating the time between when somebody expresses the demand that you've generated and they purchase. But the question is, how do you reach them before um, they've actually decided um, which brand they actually care about? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that, I believe, is you have to be on the platforms that are the moment of inspiration, um, and that's one way I think Pinterest can really help a lot of those companies. To be there at the time. Yeah. I mean, by the time somebody knows the exact model of shoe um, or uh, the exact brand of furniture, um, the job on they that go to convenience. They just want convenience. They just want it to ship. But how do they, how do they figure that out? Um, and I think the way you figure that out is you start from the point of inspiration and you work backwards. So there's no thing that, like, it's not, sometimes uh, they're price leads, sometimes just the thing you want leads, sometimes it's convenience. Is there anything you see trending more than the others across your platform? What works really well? And I'd love to know what doesn't work. It really varies by category and by brand. And it's funny, it kind of goes back to what I said about what the core value proposition is. There are some companies and their core value proposition is value, Mm -hmm. right? And, And for them, knowing that that's the place where you get the highest quality at the best price is absolutely important. Um, I think what you're seeing now is a lot of brands that are focused on a really narrow segment of Mm self-expression and really driving that story forward. Um, That's a little bit new because it hasn't been until probably the last few years when you could tell that story and reach hundreds of millions of people. You know, Pinterest, there are 320 million people globally, but like just in the U.S., you have eight and 10 moms, um, you have three and four female millennials, you have 50% millennials overall. I mean, that's just on one platform. Mm-hmm. And so even a small company now has the power to reach um, a huge, sizable audience and to reach it with a level of precision um, and, an, and accountability and spend. And, and that's very, very new. So that both creates a lot of opportunities and I think it creates challenges for brands that are not clear on exactly who they are mm-hmm. um, and who they want to reach. And what doesn't work? What, what is what you see falling off? what you must not do? I think that when we talk to CMOs, they're seeing diminishing returns in truly mass reach Mm -hmm. um, in a way that wasn't true before. In truly mass reach. Like single message, it goes everywhere. And I'm not saying that for everyone. Increasingly, um, they want to market to a very specific segment and they want to reach them at a very specific time. I also think that just bidding on your brand name, spending all of your money on people that are already typing your brand name in, it's hard to grow the number of people who've heard about you 
that way. Like you have to reach Can them. Can you not, not, but you have to do that, right? Because someone else will bid on your brand name. But that's not going to grow your brand, right? right? So you're not going to grow the number of people that um, know about Rothy's by only bidding on the word Rothy's. Mm-hmm. Right? So that can't be your only strategy. And people have spent, and there have been huge businesses built on there. I think that the question a lot of people are asking is, like, how do I reach people at the very, very beginning of that journey? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's disproportionately valuable. And that moment of inspiration is when you have a chance to influence uh, where someone's going to go with that purchasing journey. So there's been a real dichotomy, really, in a few more minutes, between, um, I, wanna, I do want to talk about diversity at the very end, but between those who, you know, Satya was here talking about how he can help merchants, which I think is probably in contrast to Amazon, which is now in their businesses and stuff like that. So the, are you a helper of mer- merchants? You said you'll never get into, is that really a never, never start to sell things, never start, that's not an adjacent business to yours? Because others have done that. Like Amazon started off as, we're a platform, we're just helping them, and then moved in. Um, you know, people move, move into spaces. Sonos just sued Google and Amazon. Um, Genius sold, sued Google. Like, these companies move in. I think that where our kind of core competency is today is really you trying to today, build those inspirational okay. businesses. Right. And, and what I can say is like we have years of roadmap ahead to help people find the right thing, to help people visualize what that could look like in their life, mm-hmm. and then to facilitate handing them off to uh, a retailer or a brand that fits what they need. And so I can say we have years ahead of us to build mm-hmm. that out. And I think for that reason, I do think that we can help a lot of companies, and, and we have. And you know, some are companies that maybe no one's ever heard of, like the Thai bar. Some are kind of marquee brands. Like we were, we were working with Patagonia. They didn't want to do traditional advertising, right? Mm-hmm. Their, their brand, they're very clear about who they are. Yeah. Um, they have a very clear value-based message. They wanted to tell that message um, and they wanted to tell it at Pinterest at this moment of inspiration rather than just pushing product after product and retargeting Buy this fleece vest or something like that. Yeah. And so I think that as a, as a platform, we can really help um, a lot of folks. Um, and that's going to be where we invest our time and energy right now. We don't have like a Skunk Works team building a fulfillment center. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really focused on how do we give you the best inspiration and then how do we help you turn that inspiration into reality. I'm still curious, if you were to sell, what would you sell first though? If we were to sell, what would we sell first? Yeah. I don't know. You know, Pinterest is such a broad platform. I don't know, maybe like a branded coffee mug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a so random could, coffee so mug. You could, so you could drink, drink, drink Pinterest in the morning. Wow, you have big goals. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, when are you going public? We went public. What? Oh, public. I'm sorry, not public. I, I was going to ask you, I was thinking of last night I was with Warby Parker. I apologize. Um, <laughs> how is it going public is what I meant to say. How is it? Um, well, it's still pretty new. We went yeah. last year. Honestly... A lot is the same. I mean, the, the mission of the company is the same. The strategy is the same. I think the big difference and the thing that I'm you getting used to... You guys got hit there for a little bit at the stock. Well, I think, I think what we're getting used to is we have a brand new group of stakeholders in the business, right? right. And so we have to educate them, tell us what our long-term plans are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then inside the company, um, we have to make sure that people are focused on our users and our customers. I'd always read that. You know, mm-hmm. every CEO tells you that. I think right. living through it, uh, and actually doing the work to repeat that messaging, um, that's been a change for me. So that's new. What's been the advantage of it from your perspective? Just because you had to, or you know, you're probably seeing Airbnb go public this year, others, some others. And then you've seen some, you know, Casper just released its 
Well, I mean, yeah, it, I, the, I mean, the advantage is access to, to liquid capital in the mm-hmm. market. And um, look, we have a really ambitious roadmap ahead of us. We obviously have really big competitors, like the biggest tech companies in the world. Mm-hmm. And we know that the market will go up and down. So having access to liquid capital means that uh, we can take a big bet you know, if we wanted to look at an acquisition, it means we can take a big bet in R&D if we see a big platform change that we feel like is fundamental to our business. I have a question. I've always wanted to say, why didn't you sell? Because you fit in nicely pretty much all over the place with these big, giant tech companies. When you look at these large companies, you know, I think about that with Snapchat, some others who create really beautiful product, beautiful apps or whatever. You have your site. He is his, for example. What prevented you from selling? Because you do tuck in lots of places. Well, I'll tell you from a business perspective, and I'll tell you more from a mission and personal perspective. Um, from a business perspective, we see a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, I see a huge opportunity to help retailers and help consumers connect, but not connect over just a sale or just a deal, connect over literally what they want their future to look like. Um, and we see a lot of realistic opportunity ahead of us. And I think with my practical business CEO hat, um, that's the hat that I have to take. And so while we see real growth opportunities, we wanted to do it independently. I think the mission part of it is I would really like to see mass market products that put a value like inspiration at their core. Mm -hmm. You know, I fell in love with the internet. And like a lot of people, I thought the internet would be this positive place um, that could connect people in a positive way, that could lead people to feel really good. And it didn't turn out that way. Uh, And I think Pinterest has an opportunity to fulfill part of that promise. And I think it's important, too. Um, You know, I think that the customers we serve are often underserved. I think a lot of the internet wasn't built with the needs of especially women in mind. I think that when we talk to our users, they love having a place where they can think about themselves rather than think about the image they want to project to other people. We hear people say, like, I have enough ways to tell my story. What I don't have is a way to think about what I want and what I need in a place that I won't be judged. And the science says there are a lot of really positive outcomes when people have that safe space. They're more open-minded, they're more goal-oriented, they have higher self-esteem. So those are the two answers, and and I have to balance both as the CEO. Um, I'm responsible to to the company. But while we see real business opportunity ahead of us, and while we feel like we can fulfill that mission best as an independent company rather than a bolt-on property, We'd love to run it as an independent company. All right, we've got to go, because uh, I see people waiting in the wings, but one very last question. What do you think, very briefly, is the most exciting commerce thing you've seen lately? I was walking the R&D floor, or the innovation floor upstairs. I am really excited about technologies that help you visualize um, what a product can look like. in VR, AR. And it looks different depending on the vertical. It could look like I can render this in my home. Um, we're releasing a product called AR Try-On that lets you kind of try on makeup. It'll let you try on accessories, and we'll do it without kind of smoothing the skin on your face just to help you make a decision. But I think that's really exciting because um, it means that not only can you see products, but you can imagine, will they fit in my life? And I think from a, from a retail perspective, um, that's a really exciting development. All right, everyone, Ben Silverman. 
Thank you, Ben, for coming on the show. And thanks again to NRF for hosting us. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Erica Anderson, is at Eric America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice or tap the link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Robbie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.